This is the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Dominic. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I'm crazy grateful for all of you who subscribe, share, and leave reviews. If this is your first time, welcome to the Elevate community. Like our home church, Living Word, I and the Elevate leaders work as hard as we can to build an atmosphere of love to exalt Christ, make disciples, and equip the saints. It would mean the world to us if you helped us get the word out by sharing this episode on social media. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate, visit us at iloveelevate.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you for everything you do, which brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. All right, let's pray and dive into God's Word. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Open up our minds. Thank you, Lord, for the wisdom that Bud and Vicky brought. Thank you for clarity. Thank you, Lord, that thank you, Lord, that love is a choice. Lord, I pray that we will have the courage to choose to align our lives with your word. In Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. It was amazing how much you guys echoed what tonight's talking about. It's so cool. I love the Holy Spirit. So a young woman on a whim decided to plant a tomato garden. Jamie Dishman in here? But she'd be excited. She's listening. A lot of strength. Get excited. And so she picked out a nice sunny spot in her backyard. She's very enthusiastic and she went to the local feed and seed store and asked them for tomato seeds. She loved fresh tomato on her salad. She loved it on her, on her sandwiches and in sauces. She thought fresh tomatoes would be the best thing that she could have in her life. So sadly, the feed and seed store was out of tomato seeds. But she wanted to plant today. So the, the store employee said, look, if you'll just wait, we have a shipment coming in a couple weeks. Or look, we have other, there are other seed stores in town. And she was like, I'm not waiting. I'm buying something today. And she walked out with three kinds of seeds. She walked out with dandelion seeds. She walked out with, with uh, what's the middle one? The pink one. Um, sickle seeds. Thistle seeds. Thistle seeds. And she walked out with clover seeds. Why? Because that's pretty yellow flowers, pretty purple flowers, and pretty white flowers. And she took them home and planted them in her garden, and they bloomed beautifully. They were growing like crazy. She thought, I have the greenest thumb of anybody ever knew. This is awesome. That fall, she took a culinary class and found a passion for cooking and said to herself, Self, this spring I'm getting serious about tomatoes. So she went out, she pulled out all the old plants, she tilled up the soil, she put fertilizer in it, she went and got tomato seeds, and she planted her garden. And over the next weeks, she realized that with the little sprouts of tomato vines, she had all her old plants kept growing back. And so she pulled them out, and pulled them out, and pulled them out, and she found that she was spending hours and hours trying to root up all these plants that just wouldn't go away, to the point that they were sucking the nutrients... From the tomatoes that she was trying to grow. Answer me this question. Why, whenever she was ready to, quote unquote, get serious, was she having so much trouble with these old plants? Because she planted weeds. Are you following me? Just like her purpose for gardening was for tomato plants, you need to recognize that the purpose for dating is marriage. And if the purpose for dating is marriage, you have to be careful what you are planting in your life right now. You do not want to be planting weeds that your future marriage will take years 
And it will take the Holy Spirit time to redeem. Are you with me, Elevate? You do not want to go into your marriage with baggage and scars and wounds. And as Jeremy Smith from Aport used the terminology with soul ties with anybody else but your spouse. And if you're dating someone and getting romantically involved and you're skipping all those steps that we talked about in remix dating, go back and listen to that one. If you're skipping all of that stuff, you will have emotional soul ties. If you give your body away to them and have sex, you have, you have this biological, this, this connection to them, this soul tie to them. And you will carry that into your marriage. You will have weeds that you are constantly fighting in your marriage. Galatians 6, 7-8 says, Do not be deceived. Stop fooling yourself. God is not mocked. You will reap whatever you plant. Whatever you sow. If you sow to your flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. If you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Are you reaping life into your future marriage today? Or are you reaping death into your marriage today? So every week I've asked you a question. What are you willing to do to have the marriage you've always wanted? Let me add to that question tonight. Are you willing to begin investing now with the decisions that you make? Hebrews 13 verse 4 says, Let marriage be held in honor by all. And let the marriage bed be kept undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterers. There's two halves of this verse. The first one is, put marriage on a pedestal. Give it the honor due that it is a God-sanctioned, even sacramental gift that he has given us. Give honor to marriage. Give what it is due. And the second half is keep it holy. Keep it pure. Keep it separate. I would like to do... I would like to challenge you to, to invest, to give you tools tonight to invest into putting marriage, putting honor into your future marriage. And the initial choice that you can make to honor your marriage is to keep it holy and not plant clover seeds. To not plant weeds in your future marriage. If you want, those weeds may be a relationship that you're in that's unhealthy. You may look around and be like, wow, honestly, we're just getting physical. That's the only reason we're together. Or I just wanted a relationship status. Or X, Y, Z, whatever reason, it's unhealthy. And you're like, i got to get out of this. It could simply be that you're just dating for fun. And trust me, I'm talking to you from experience. I was in my freshman year in college, and I was dating this girl. She was super cute, low personality. And I was talking to a friend one time, and he said, why are you dating her? I was like, I'm just you know, dating for fun, just to have a girlfriend. He was like, Dom, why are you wasting your time? And I was like, because it's fun, obviously. And I went back to my room and I was like super convicted and wrecked for like the rest of the night. And it was really difficult to call a shot to say, you know what, this is not a good relationship. I'm like, I'm just dating for fun. There is no, I'm only planting weeds here in what I want my future marriage to be awesome. The reality is, even if you do everything right, you may experience a breakup. You may be doing the breaking up because you're getting some weeds out of your life. God bless you. May you have the courage and the discipline to call a hard shot like that. But the truth is, you may do everything right and someone still breaks up with you. So I want to cover some real practical tips on dealing with breakups. We've covered a lot of other dating stuff. And just briefly, I'm going to go through these. 
because I think these are six survival tips for dealing with breakups. Number one is, I know this seems backwards, step into your feelings. Whether you're the one being broken up with or the one having to call it and break up, the reality is if you cared about them, it's going to hurt. That commitment, there may be a commitment that's broken. There's expectations that are crushed. You may be experiencing this blast of insecurity. You may feel lost, like your identity is, is pulled out. You may be, feel personally attacked, confused. You may be overwhelmed with what ifs. Your st- social status is abruptly changed. You may even have your hope challenged. And I want to say, it's okay. Your feelings are real. It's okay to cry. It's okay to feel wrecked. It's okay to feel brokenhearted. But I have hope for you. No matter how much it hurts, no matter how impossible this feels, and how much it doesn't seem like there is a future, you will not always feel like this. I promise you, promise you, promise you that this is a temporary crushed feeling. You are not always going to feel like this. Teenagers are making permanent decisions based on temporary pain. And I don't want that for you. I want you to know there's hope beyond it. Embrace those feelings. This is an opportunity to refocus back into the Lord where you find peace. And guess what? Psalm 147.3 says that he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Step into the pain, feel it, and then bring Jesus into it with you. You will see the other side. The second one is remember who you are. Remember whose you are. Because who you are and who God has made you is not based on who you are dating or whether you are dating anybody. I had a friend named Becca growing up, and she dealt with real deal depression in her life. Crippling depression. Not like, oh, I feel depressed. Like crippling, life-stopping depression. And she wrote a pamphlet to encourage other people through from what she went through and how she like, used her relationship with Jesus to, to pull herself out of it. And she writes in this pamphlet, that who she was and who God made her to be is like a mountain. And that mountain may be covered and surrounded by clouds of depression and pain, but you know what? That mountain is still there and those clouds are still temporary. Whenever that depression and pain is blown away, who she has been made by Jesus to be is not altered. There is hope in pain. I love this. Isaiah says this, 43, verse 1, fear not. Isn't it good to not have fear when we're experiencing depression? Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've chosen you. I've made you my own. I have called you by name. You are mine. That hasn't changed because of the pain you're experiencing. The third one is gain perspective. You have a long life ahead of you. If you're going to age until you're 90, if you, if you croak at 90, you have 75 years after this if you're 15. 75 years. The pain's not going to last that long. I, I don't even imagine. I can imagine the stage, like, like maybe from here to there, you've lived this long. And there's 75 years of hope and joy and purpose and living with Christ. Yeah. Don't let a decision that happens back here cross 75 years of who God's calling you to be. Gain a little perspective. Zoom out on your life a little bit. This ended relationship should not have been the most important thing in your life. A girlfriend or a boyfriend is not your anchor. It's not your identity. It's not your purpose. It's not your happiness. And it's not the place that you find fulfillment. If you realize, if you come to realize that that's really how you were treating a relationship, reorient. Come back to what is actually the most meaningful of life. 
Consider your relationship with Jesus, that unmovable, immutable relationship with Him. Consider your family, your mentors, the people that are looking up to you that you're mentoring, your friends. Consider the things in your life that you're pursuing, your goals, who God is calling you to be and where you are going. These are all things that are untouched by the pain of a breakup. There's more to life than romance. And here's a really kind of uncomfortable one. Guess what? Are you ready for this? In fact, God's kingdom mission on your life. I'm saying this slowly. Please pay attention. God's kingdom mission on your life is more important than your happiness and than romance. It's more important even than your marriage. The purpose of marriage is to propel the kingdom of heaven. Amen. It's more important. Believe it or not, God is not that concerned about your being happy. He is concerned about your eternal soul and the people around you's souls. That's what he cares about in your life. Matthew 6.33 Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and everything that you need he'll take care of. Number four forgive and ask forgiveness. That's the hard one. Oh, when you've been hurt you've been damaged, when you've been the one that's done some hurting. And yet Jesus doesn't give us any wiggle room. Matthew 6, 14 says, For if you forgive others their sin, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, neither will your Father forgive yours. Ouch. Now I want to make this really clear. Forgiveness does not equal trust. Put your phones down. Forgiveness does not equal trust. Are you following me? Because you say, I release you to the Lord and I hold nothing against you. I surrender my pain and my anger towards you to Jesus. I release you into his hands. Does not mean I will trust you again. Are you following me? Forgiveness will set you free. Number five, learn to fail forward. This is not my saying you should date one person after another, after another, after another, after another. I am saying that if you experience a lousy breakup, use this experience to be wiser. Because who you are today in the breakup is smarter and wiser than who you were yesterday. Are you following me? Consider this, pre, this recent time that you were dating somebody and ask yourself some questions. Were your priorities out of line? Did you commit too soon? Did you move too fast? Were you looking for something you now realize isn't that important? Did you discover deal breakers or must-haves that are now important to you? And how can you grow from here? You can blame or you can grow, but you can't do both. Come on, Use pain. Use this opportunity to be wiser today than you were yesterday. Amen. And guess what? You'll avoid so much of everything that I'm talking about if you will follow the wise steps that we talked about in this series. Go back to Remix Dating. Listen to it again. Take notes. If you will follow those steps, then I promise you, you will root out 99% of the opportunity to get to this point. And number six, please, 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 please listen to me. Don't rebound. If you're experiencing the pain, Finding the next relationship, the next person to be physical with, is just throwing weed, or weed seeds into your garden. It's not like happy weed. I mean like the kind that are destructive and destroy everything. Maybe the happy weed is too. This singleness in your life is a blessing. 
Focus on your most important relationship. When you do put yourself out there again, and remember, you're going to start at step one, and then two, and then three. Remix dating, week five, go back and listen to it. So many times, so many times, people will break up with a relationship, and when they dive into the next one, they begin at the same level of commitment and physicality than they left in the last one. I'm telling you, slow down, get your heart right before the Lord, and take it slow again. If you find yourself wanting to dive in with the next one, check yourself because you may have a hole inside of you that you need Jesus to fill first. Slow down. We've been talking about honoring your future marriage by not planting weeds now in your life. Things like dating for fun or just being in an unhealthy relationship. Or maybe pulling out some weeds, getting out of a relationship that you know you're not marrying this person someday. But I would like to give you some challenges. We're actually going to talk about marriage, so you're going to have to have a long memory. Lock this stuff into your long-term memory stuff. Because I want to give you some tools for the future, but I'd like to show you how you can even apply them now. Because this is all about planting good seed now for later. Tilling up the soil, having the wisdom of delayed gratification for who you want, the marriage you want to have. The first one is to give up three marriage myths. Thank you, Bud and Vicky. You already said this, uh, some of these. Both of you, one of the myths is that both of you have the same expectations of marriage. Boom. Exactly what you guys talked about. You will, you will, you will, you will enter a married life with probably unspoken, maybe even unconscious rules that have been created by your upbringing, your belief systems, and your preferences. And whenever they're not verbalized and not appeased, they create conflict. You step in and you say, no, 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 this is what this is what the husband's supposed to do, this is what the wife's supposed to do. And you're like, no, I don't think so. And you step in and you say, well, no, this is the way we handle money, and this is how we handle Christmas gifts, and this is, this is what it looks like to do this, and this is how we discipline our children, and, and they're like, I don't think so. Conflict and conflict and conflict. So one of the myths is that you're going to jump into marriage is because everything's been hunky-dory at the sorority social that you're just everything's going to align and you're just going to agree on everything. That is a myth. And you need to go in understanding you're going to have to tackle some of these things. So how can you begin investing now? Begin thinking through what you believe the role of a husband and a wife is. And then consider, what if they think differently than you? Do you have some deal breakers? Do you have some must-haves? Start thinking through what's important to you. Number two, the second myth. Everything in bad in life will disappear and everything good will get better. Boy, I'm telling you. And, and this is where your feelings come into play so much. Your feelings are going to say, when you're with this person, everything's perfect. The world just aligns. You're going to agree on everything. It's just going to be awesome. All those old problems that you had, they're just going to fade away. You're not going to care if you have trouble at your job anymore. Those old sins that you dealt with forever, they just vanish into thin air. And I'm telling you, it is a myth because who you are on the other side of marriage, it's still the person you were before marriage. You're going to carry in all the stuff you already were. Remember that in marriage, you are having to surrender freedoms. You're operating in forgiveness Often, you're uncovering their flaws, you're uncovering your own flaws, and every day you're choosing to go against your own feelings and be selfless. I love this quote. It's out of a book called Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts. 
I'm going to quote this book several times tonight. And it says this, Many people marry to avoid or escape unpleasantness. But no matter how glorious the institution of marriage, it is not a substitute for the difficult work of inner spiritual healing. Are you all following me so far? Marriage does not erase personal pain or eliminate loneliness. It doesn't. If you're lonely before marriage, and that's woven in to your woundedness, you will be afterwards. Why? Because people get married primarily to further their own well-being. That's exactly what Bud and Vicky say. Not to take care of their partner's needs. The bad traits and feelings you carried around before you were married remain with you as you leave the wedding chapel. Listen, a marriage certificate is not a magical glass slipper. Marriage is, in actual fact, just a way of living. How can you invest now into who you're going to be then? I challenge you to go back and listen to week four, being is greater than getting, and listen to those things that we listed out those areas that maybe weaken us and choose a weak area in your life to begin growing to surrender to the Lord. Number three, and the third dating myth, my spouse will make me whole. I will finally feel complete. Quoting Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts, marriage is a God-given way to improve and hone our beings. Marriage challenges us to new heights and calls us to be the best person possible, but neither marriage nor a partner will magically make us whole. See, there's three styles of relationships, both dating and marriage. There is the A-frame relationship. That's where both partners are leaning on each other. They're sort of insecure, so they need the other person. They find their identity in their unit together. If one person is removed, the other person falls. Are you following me? The second one is an H-frame. That's where both people are so independent, they just sort of like, yeah, they're not emotionally linked. They don't depend on each other very much. If one person is, is taken away, the other person like hardly even feels it. The third one is called an M-frame relationship. Each partner has self-esteem and they are dedicated to the well-being because they choose the other. They are each self-sufficient, but they choose to rely on each other emotionally. If one were removed, they will feel lost, but they will regain their balance. If you believe the myth that your spouse or even your boyfriend or girlfriend will make you whole, which one of these three are you living? It's not a trick question. It's totally obvious. It's the A-frame. It's where you're leaning on someone to make you whole. And I'll let you answer this question for yourself since you're so talkative tonight. How do you invest now? You've been with me, some of you, for three years. Even if you've only been here for three weeks, what do you think my answer would be to how do you grow into becoming a whole person? Jesus. You pursue your relationship with Jesus. Amen. So here's the fun part. Let's shift into cultivating health for your future marriage. Log these away, your long-term memory. Hebrews 13.4, let marriage be held in high honor. Here are three ways that you can invest. And it's called... The marriage triangle. It's separate from the one that Jackie taught me about, where you both pursue Jesus and you closer together. This is actually three legs of the same triangle, and they are passion, intimacy, and commitment. And believe it or not, you can practice all three now. This is all from that awesome book, Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts. There is a link on the podcast page of I Love Elevate if you want to buy it off Amazon. Great book. It was mine and Jackie's premarital counseling book. Oh man, we learned a lot. The first one is passion. 
And I'm defining this as enjoyment of each other. This is where you practice meaningful touch. You amp up your eye contact. Remember eye contact? You can tell a couple that are not doing well because they don't make eye contact. That's right. If you see a couple and all they they can't take their eyes off of each other, you're like, yeah, they're rocking this marriage thing. Plan mutually enjoyable experiences. Get into each other's world. If they like something that's different than you, throw yourself into what they like. Find things that make you laugh together. Pick a favorite funny TV show that you both laugh at. Do things that you just you just melt together whenever you do them. Compliment each other daily. Tell them you love them. But don't tell them you love them like superficially. Come up with reasons that you love them that are going to be meaningful. I love you today because... Insert. Make love often. Yep, go get them. Corinthians, read it. Go out of your way to make them feel that they are important to you. How do you practice this now? And it's so simple. Begin, pay attention. The art of affirmation with everyone that you know. Begin to verbally lift up people around you. Begin to verbally express to people why they are important. Make it a habit in your character. Remember, you're not going to step into your marriage any bit different than who you are today. You may compliment them like crazy all through the honeymoon stage, all through the romance, but guess what? If you do not have built into your character a person of affirmation, six months down the road, what did you say? 30 days? Who you are, a person that is derogatory, will come out. You can practice who you will be as a husband or wife then by building into your character now someone who is always lifting people up. Number two, intimacy. This is defined as connectedness or emotional safety. This is that bond between you. In your marriage, practice clear communication. Don't just listen to each other. Or don't just hear each other. Listen to each other. Be 100% transparent. Be fully honest. No, every couple does not have secrets from each other. That is a lie. The couples that go the distance are transparent and talk about everything. There is nothing held back. They are completely vulnerable. Guys, if there is one person in your whole world that you're willing to cry in front of, make it your wife. And I'm telling you, you feel free to not cry in front of other guys, whatever, but I know you're like, man, but I want her to respect me. I don't want her to think less of me, that I'm weak. No, no, no. I'm telling you guys, pay attention. I'm tossing you gold here. If there's one person you cry in front of, make it your wife. She's going to love you more. She's going to feel more connected to you. And she's going to want to be with you that much more. It is. Um, go for it, guys. It will rock your world. Honesty and vulnerability are the building blocks of intimacy. Focus on your commonalities. Adopt each other's interests. Work hard to make them feel unguarded and emotionally safe. Grow together. Grow together spiritually. Pursue Jesus together, and there will be a connection there that no couple without Jesus will ever experience. How do you practice this now? Grow in conflict resolution now. Learn to win with people, not just win against them. You're going to have plenty of conflict with your friends, teachers, family members, etc., etc., etc. Begin to practice good conflict resolution now. 
Begin to learn how to speak in a way that's not stabbing. Begin to, to do compromise and give and apologize and ask forgiveness. Begin this now so that it's woven into your character. Remember, we're planting seeds for who you're going to be. And when you step into a marriage, you've had a lifetime of practicing how to win together, not just win against them. Oh my gosh, I would rather be good than be right any day. Amen. Guys, girls, you want to go to bed good, not right. All right? So sacrifice a little bit. Practice now good conflict resolution. So what was the last one? Exercise the art of affirmation. Grow in conflict resolution. And the third one is commitment. This is the conviction to make it work. I love this quote. There may be nothing more important in a marriage than a determination that it shall persist. We're not quitting. Don't even use the D word in your marriage. Amen. Run from it. Paraphrasing C.S. Lewis, I love how he says, he says, your marriage vow is a pledge to something you can do. Your marriage vows are a pledge to something you can do. You have the ability to do. If you just say, I commit, I vow to you, I will always feel love towards you. That's just like saying, I, I vow to never have a headache. Like, you can't hold up your end of the deal. You know what you can commit to? What you can do is you can choose them. I love you means I choose you. And I set myself apart to be yours. No matter how I feel, no matter our circumstances, unconditionally I have chosen you and I set myself apart to be yours. That is a marriage covenant that you can do. Be committed. Be selfless and meet their needs. And I love this. I'm putting this up there because it's so much fun to say. Fidelity is so much more than a promise to be faithful, but a moment-by-moment commitment to be present. Fidelity is more than saying, I'll be faithful to you. It's committing to them, I will be present in your life, moment by moment. There are lots of husbands that are in the house that are not present. There are lots of wives that are circling all around the husband who are not present. Your fidelity is not just, I'm not going to have sex with other people. No, your fidelity is, I have chosen you at this time today. I have chosen you at 8.35 p.m. on Wednesday night. I have chosen you at 8.36 p.m. on Wednesday night. I choose you and I set myself apart to be yours. How do you practice this now? I challenge you to come up with a place in your life that you're lacking commitment. Is it to your studies? Is it to a family member? Is it to someone that asked you to be their accountability partner? Where are you lacking commitment? And begin now in your character being a person that follows through on your commitments so that you are already have a garden that's prepared and tilled and ready for a commitment of a lifetime to your spouse. So, intimacy, passion, commitment, exercise the art of affirmation, grow in conflict resolution, begin to become a person of commitment. Divorce is like abandoning a car because it ran out of gas. If your marriage is struggling on the side of the road, seek Jesus and ask him to lead you in giving you the gasoline of passion, intimacy, and commitment. And I need to close with this. I'm closing out the whole series of like, man, sad face, it's week eight. Elevate. We are the church of God. And Ephesians 5 says that as the church of God, he equates us to being his bride with our God being our husband. 
some of us guys are like, but yeah, we'll just, okay, sure. But God calls us his bride. And he is our husband. And his love to us is the most whole and perfect love that can be experienced. And we want that love in our marriage. And listen to this. Ephesians 5, 25-27 says this. Husbands, and he's comparing his love for us to what a husband should do. He says this. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. And how does God love you? How does he love me? He gave himself up for her. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her with the washing of water with the word. That he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. The greatest example of love that we have, the kind of love you want in your marriage, the kind of love you want to be planting seeds in that garden now, is the love of Jesus Christ. And the place that we look to see perfect love is Jesus, who gave himself on a cross, who stretched out his arms and said, I choose you so much so that I set myself apart to die for you. That is the Jesus that we serve. That is the Jesus that we serve in our marriages because why? We're both pursuing him. And as we get closer to him, he draws us closer together in that same sacrificial love. Elevate, are you willing to do whatever it takes to have the marriage you always wanted? Week one, love defined. Are you willing to redefine love? Because I love you means I choose you and set myself apart for you. If love is a choice, then it empowers you to choose wisely. It's the basis of this whole series. Choose wisely. Executive attention is on. This is good stuff. Week two. Waffles and spaghetti. Are you willing to embrace the other person's differences? In conversation, guys, it's your job to travel with her. Girls, it's your job to camp with them. Week three, love and respect. Are you willing to love sacrificially? Women need love. Men need respect. You are responsible to break the crazy cycle because you're the only one that you can change. Week four, being is greater than getting. Are you willing to grow first before dating? Allowing God to grow you is more important than finding Mr. and Mrs. Right. Week five, remix dating. Are you willing to date differently than the rest of the world? There are failures in love. Date differently. Take it slow. Only date someone if you think they're the person that you may choose to marry. Other than that, you're wasting your time. Week six, who to look for? Are you willing to trust God with your whole life? Don't be a seeker as if you're missing something. Be a discovery Christian who trusts God's plan for your life. Week five, fire in the fireplace. Are you willing to save sex for marriage? Biblical rules are boundaries from freedom. They're boundaries for freedom. Love is patient. Uh, quote Jackie, love is patient. Sex is awesome. Wait for it. Week eight, tonight, are you willing to begin investing now in your marriage for the future? Your challenges for this week, go back and listen to the podcast of this series. Take notes on what love is and wise dating steps. Buy that book. It's an awesome book. There may be one person you in here who does it, but that book's going to it's going to be awesome for you. Number two, Paul, John the Baptist says, I must decrease and he must increase. Shift your attention away from everything that the world is telling you important. Begin to shift your attention onto Jesus. Because if you will pursue the kingdom, if you will pursue his righteousness, he's going to take care of everything else for you. So I want to close with this. Elliot, I want you to know that I have, I have labored over this series more than I have any other series. I, this is a collection of six books, plus the Bible, plus marriage conferences, plus marriage and family classes that I took in school, all packed into eight weeks. 
And I know it could be done better than what I've done. But it could not have been done with more passion and care for you. I want to catch you now so that you can avoid the landmines that the enemy has in your future, that society out there has in your future. I love you so much that I've spoken as boldly as I can. I've been as honest and transparent with you as I can be. How many times have you heard somebody say, I wish I would have been told? How many times have you heard somebody say that? I need you to know that tonight I surrender. And I'm I'm putting this onto you. Because at the end of this, your leaders and I have told you what truth is and where truth comes from. So tonight, I lay this on you that you are not able to say, I wish I would have been told. If you choose not to follow the wisdom of the word of God, all that's left to you is, I wish I would have listened. Go back and listen to these podcasts. They are not of me. They're of wisdom beyond me. They're of scripture. They're of people that have walked out the Bible. Heavenly Father, I surrender tonight to you. And I surrender these students to you. I have done my flawed best to be faithful to your word. To be faithful to wisdom. Lord, I pray that they have internalized exactly what you wanted them to hear. Lord, that the students in this room, the students listening to the podcast, the stu- those people on live stream right now, Lord, I pray that you have your very best for them and you're giving them the, the power of the Holy Spirit to embrace what you've been holding out for them. That they will not plant weeds. Jesus, I beg you, Lord, to block them from sin to rebuke the evil one from temptation, to protect our girls from the sickness that's out there, to protect our guys from the evil that's all around them. Let them determine now to pursue you as their first love. Let them determine now the delayed gratification of a marriage without the baggage that the world is experiencing right now. Jesus, I beg you, Lord, to plant seeds from these past eight weeks. Love them and fill them. And let their heart be turned towards you with such a passion that they easily follow your voice. Lord, bless this coming week. Anoint your people to be your love incarnate. And let us be missionaries wherever we go. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen. Thank you for listening. Episodes are recorded every Wednesday at Elevate Student Ministry. All students, 7th through 12th grades, are welcome.